With that being said, we're going to spend some time in the reading of the word. That's why we're here. We want to spend time. If you if you are here for the first time, we read through the we're reading through the Bible. We're reading from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We've read from Matthew to Revelation. Now we're reading from Genesis to Malachi, and then we'll go from Matthew to Revelation. That's the intention that we have, and really all we're intending to do is just to spend time in the reading of the word. Um, I believe that just reading the word alone is a profoundly impactful endeavor. It is the most important thing that a believer can do aside from prayer, which is why we're also, and I'll let you guys know ahead of time that we're also planning to spend time uh, in prayer. I'm looking to do a few sessions, maybe a week in prayer, but I I would love and I'd encourage you guys to get into the habit of praying and reading the word. Those two alone are your means by which you will grow. Okay, I know this is a children's song, and you know it, it, it's it's overly simplistic. But when that song says "Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow," it's no lie. It's the truth. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow. Okay, you will definitely grow, and that's really why I'm here. I'm here to see you grow. I'm here to expose you to the totality of Scripture. I'm here to change maybe your perception of the Bible by simply walking with you and reading the Bible with you. So we're going to spend a few minutes reading the Word, and then I'll spend a few minutes reflecting on the Word, which is why we call this the Read and Rant. So I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 23. And as we read, I want you to ask three questions. The first question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that I want you to prayerfully ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Today, we want to hear from God, and that's going to be our posture, not a Bible study, just a Bible reading. Read with me as we read the scriptures. Father, speak to us today. Reveal your heart. Reveal your will. Reveal your personality. Reveal your character. Lord, reveal your authority, reveal, Lord, your power, reveal your plan to us, Lord God. Lord, reveal in us what needs to be revealed. Lord, if we need encouragement, let us be encouraged today. If we need to be empowered today, let us be empowered today. If we need to be convicted today, let us be convicted today. Whatever it is, Lord, that you intend for me, Lord, as I read your word, and for us as we read your word together, Father, I pray that you would... um, do as you please. We submit this time to you, and we say that in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 23, verse 1, it says this, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather a remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be the fruitful and increase. Sorry, they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Therefore, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, and they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their land. My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am a drunken man. And like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words, for the land is full of adulterers. For because of a curse, the land mourns. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up. Their course of life is evil and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house, I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. Therefore, their way shall be to them 
like slippery ways. In the darkness they shall be driven on and fall in them. For I will bring disaster on them. The year of their punishment, says the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied Baal and caused my people Israel to err. Also, I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood, and I will make them drink the water of gall. For the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart. Not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. I will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as they forgot my name for Baal. Hmm. The prophet who has a dream, let let him tell a dream. And he who has a word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chafe to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in places? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord. And tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. So when these people or the prophet or the priest ask you, saying, what is the oracle of the Lord? You shall say then to them, what oracle? I will even forsake you, says the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priests and the people who say, the oracle of the Lord. I will even punish that man in his house. Thus everyone of you shall say to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what has the Lord answered? And what has the Lord spoken? And the oracle of the Lord, you shall mention no more. For every man's word will be his oracle. For you have perverted the words of the living God and the Lord of hosts, our God. And you shall say to the prophet, What has the Lord answered you, and what has the Lord spoken? But since you say the oracle of the Lord, therefore this says the Lord. Behold, you say this word, the oracle of the Lord. And I have sent to you, saying, Do not say the oracle of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I, even I, will utterly forget and forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers, and I will cast you out of my presence." And I will bring everlasting reproach upon you and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Tough. Chapter 24. 
the Lord showed me. And there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Joachim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the craftsmen and the smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. And the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good, and the bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, who I have set, sent out of this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans, for I will set my eyes on them for good, and I'll bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull, I'll build them up and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Hmm. And as the bad figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Surely thus says the Lord, so will I give up Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his princes, and the residue of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt. I will deliver them to the trouble into all the kingdoms of the earth for their harm, to be a reproach and a byword, a taunt and a curse in all places where I shall drive them. And I will send the word, the famine, and the pestilence among them until they are consumed from the land that I have given them. Jeremiah 25, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Joachim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Even till this day, this is the 23rd year in which the Lord has come to me and has spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, repent now, everyone, of, the, of his evil way and his evil doings and dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them. And do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you have that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, I will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against all the nations all around, and I will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and those nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass, then when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. So I will bring on that land all my words which I have pronounced against it. All that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations, for many nations and great kings shall be served by them also. And I'll repay them according to their deeds, according to the works of their own hands. For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. And they will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations drink, to whom the Lord has sent me, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, 
its kings and its princes to make a desolation, an astonishment, a hissing, a curse, as it is this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his princes, and all his people, all the mixed multitude, all the kings of the land of Uz, all the kings of the land of the Philistines, namely Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and a remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the people of Ammon, all the kings of Tyre, and all the kings of Sidon, and all the kings of the coastland, which are across the sea, Dedan, Tema, Buzz, and all who are the farthest, who are in the farthest corners, all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of all the mixed multitude who dwell in the desert, all the kings of Zimri, and all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of Medes, all the kings of the north, far and near, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the world, which are on the face of the earth. And the king of Sheshach shall drink after them. Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, and vomit. Fall and rise no more, because of the sore which I will send among you. And it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You shall certainly drink. For behold, I begin to bring calamity on the city, which is called by my name. And should you be utterly unpunished, you shall not be unpunished, for I will call for the sword on all the inhabitants of the earth, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore prophesy against them all these words, and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his fold. He will give a shout as those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. A noise will come to the ends of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead his case with all flesh. He will give those who are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be rising, raised up from all the farthest places of the earth. And at that day, the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth, even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried, it shall become refuse on the ground. Wail, shepherds, and cry. Roll about in the ashes, you leaders of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and your dispersions are fulfilled. You shall fall like a precious vessel. And the shepherds will have no way to flee, nor the leaders of the flock escape. A voice of the cry of the shepherds and the wailing of the leaders of the flock will be heard. For the Lord has plundered their pasture, and the peaceful dwellings are cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left his lair like a lion, for their land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor, because of his fierce anger. I'm going to stop right here. And I just have a few moments, so I want to share a few thoughts with you um, as we close. If you are here for the first time, this is the Read and Rant. We just read scripture and then we reflect on it. We've been reading through the entire Bible, journeying through the entire Old Testament. And then we intend to also journey, journey through the New Testament as well. But as we've journeyed through the Old Testament, what you've seen as a consistent thread in the, in the, from the historical perspective of the scriptures are the Hebrew people. The Hebrew people, the children of Israel, who we call the Israelites, of course, the origins begin, <clears throat> you could say begin in Abraham, but more so begin at Adam. From Adam, we see a promise that was broken, but given. We see, sorry, we see a covenant of God and man. That covenant was broken, but then we saw a promise, a promise that was given that God would redeem humanity because humanity's sin is what brought Adam's disobedience. Adam's sin is what brought sin into the world and the consequences of sin are what we experience today. But even with all that, we're not hopeless in it because God came with a solution. In Genesis chapter three, he said, he, he promised a seed, her seed will bruise his head. And so the seed would come, but of course we don't see the seed yet. It is something that is to come, something that hasn't come yet, a foreshadow. And of course we see that as the history progresses, we go from Adam, and then we go to Noah, and then we go from Noah to Abraham. And it's from Abraham now that we see we have Isaac, and we have um, um, Abraham, we have Isaac, and then we have Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons, 
from a really messed up family, to be honest with you. But he has 12 sons, and those 12 sons become 12 families. And those 12 families become 12 tribes. And together, these 12 tribes become a nation. And this nation was formed in Egypt since they had left Israel to go to Egypt. Left Canaan, sorry, to go to Egypt. And so they leave Canaan to go to Egypt, and there they become a people, a nation of people, but they're a nation within a nation under the oppression and the power of the Egyptians, serving as indentured slaves to the Egyptians. And then, of course, we see how the history progresses from that point on. Moses is called, and we go from Genesis to Exodus, and then from Exodus, we see Moses is called to uh, shepherd these children out of uh, Egypt into the promised land, to go back to where they came from, the land that was promised to them, the land that Abraham had occupied with his family. And so this family, of course, was set aside. God says it in Genesis chapter 11, inferring that this family was a family that was to bring righteousness and justice, to be a family of priests, a nation of priests, a priestly nation, one who would mediate for God to show what God was like on the earth a family that brings about righteousness and justice, righteousness and justice. And that was really the purpose of the, the call of God was through this family, he would bring restoration to humanity. This is God's plan for the earth, God's plan for humanity. And so in Exodus, we see that these people remain stuck. Where were they stuck at Mount Sinai? They were stuck at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God reinstituted the covenant with these people reminded them of the promise on Abraham, instituted the covenant, sealed that covenant in blood. And once that covenant was sealed in blood, then came the law. And the law was intended to shape them and mold them to be the people who would live according to the righteousness and the justice of God. That was the whole purpose of it. And so now this family who now we see from uh, Genesis to Exodus, this family is stuck at Mount Sinai because even though they were given the law, they weren't very good at obeying it. Matter of fact, all we see is tension and strife, division and brokenness, all happening right there at Mount Sinai. And so God says they can go to the land, but they would go without his presence. They remain stuck at Mount Sinai because they told God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we will not go. And so these people remained at Mount Sinai. It was finally in the end that God then, through Leviticus, gave him access back to his presence. The book of Leviticus is about, is about a law of atonement. One in which the same blood that sealed them in contract will be the same blood that also delivers them from the sins that they commit, the infractions that they make against the law. And every time they committed these sins, they had through the blood access back into the presence of God because the life is in the blood. And while sin brought death, the blood brought life. And so the blood became payment for it. And so now they have access back into the presence of God. And because now they have access back into the presence of God, I don't know why I'm going through all this, but I feel it's important. It's good to just go through this every now and then. But now that they have access back to the presence of God, they now have the confidence to move forward. Now they have God with them. Now they have the presence of God. And they build a tabernacle, this tabernacle, this, this, this tabernacle, this tent was built in meticulous detail to give the message of a restoration of Eden, but through the presence of God. And yet it represented the very thing, the very uh, territory that housed the presence of God. And so they took that with them. They said, God, if your presence not be with us. It's important for us to also mention this. And I know uh, someone just mentioned that, that God is omnipresent. Absolutely true. That God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. It's one thing for God to be present. It's another thing for God to be present. What do I mean? There's one thing to have the presence of God. There's another thing to experience the presence of God. God is everywhere. There's nowhere that God is not. He even says it through a scripture that he is everywhere. But there is something called the manifest presence of God. And this is so important because for many of us, we're looking for God to be present, and yet God is present. He's always present. The problem is not the presence of God, because God says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The issue is not the presence of God. The issue is the manifest presence of God. Let me give you an example. You can walk into a dark room, and the light is off, and even though someone is in there, 
You don't know that that person's in there. So you operate as if nobody is in the room. It's not until you turn the light on that you see someone there that you begin to interact with that person in the room. It's actually the turning of the light, the light turning on that switches from the person simply being in your presence to the person being in your manifest presence. When they're in your manifest presence, it's not just that they're there. It's that we're we're communing with each other. We're conversing with each other. And for many of us, we need to experience the manifest presence of God. The one where God isn't just around us, but God is working in us and through us, that we have an intimate relationship, an intimate encounter with Him, that we're intimately intertwined with God. And, and, and it's through this covenantal relationship. This is what the manifest presence of God, this is the presence that Israel lost. And now Israel seeks to establish this presence. Israel is desiring to get back to the presence of God. Israel is looking to remove the very thing that separates them from God because God can be present and yet God is not present in your life. God is present even for people who won't acknowledge him, people who won't believe in him, God is present. And so now Israel finds access back into the presence of God through the atonement, through the blood sacrifice. And so now Israel's back into the presence of God. So Israel says, I'm ready to go. I'm up and ready to go. So Israel gets the tent. They pack it up. Everywhere the cloud goes, they go. The cloud goes, they go. They go where the presence goes because the presence is their guide. The presence is their guide. And so now we see the book of Numbers. Leviticus, they finally um, have access back into the presence of God, the glory of God, the covenant of God, the covenantal bond and relationship with God. And so now they get up and they go. They get up and they go. And the book of Numbers is about their journey. And along that journey, there was all kinds of messed up stuff happening between them because, again, they're still in between the promise and where they came from. And so that's what the wilderness really represents. It's what's in between. It's what's in between. And so now the Israelites go from 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 Mount Sinai and they journey through the wilderness to get to the promised land. But then they get to the promised land and and because of the account of the spies who say we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes, they believe the spies' perceptions. And because they believe the spies' perceptions, they decided we want to go back to bondage not to freedom. It was the lack of their faith that kept them from going into the promised land. And so Numbers ends really with them staying in, in, in the promised land, sorry, in the wilderness. And as a consequence, they would not go in except for Joshua and Caleb. And who would be left behind? They would allow the next generation to go in. And now we get into Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is literally called the law again, Deutero, Deuteronomy. The law again. So they're giving a reminder. The next generation is being reminded. Moses then reiterates all the stuff that we had already seen in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Numbers, and Exodus. And so now he's reiterating this for them so that they would have not only the promise, but they would have the law because what God was establishing was a kingdom in this promised land. They would enter into the promised land with the law. And that was what took them there? And now they received the law. And of course, we know Moses' disobedience. Because of Moses' disobedience, Moses is not given permission to go into the promised land with them. Joshua takes over. They subdue the land. Then after they subdue the land, Judges tells us of how they continued to break the law. They became influenced by the Canaanites. And in the end, Judges says that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes, not realizing that God was their king rather than them. And so now we go to Ruth. And in Ruth, what we see is that even as the Israelites were falling apart somewhere far away, God was establishing a promise. There was one to come that would come from Jesse to David. And that one that was to come, we would see it in the story of Ruth. And so we have the story of Ruth, really the promise of God still in, in, at work, regardless of how Israel is performing, because God still has a promise on his people. And we go from Ruth and then 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. We see now through the story that they established kings, but those kings weren't good enough. That kingdom wasn't good enough. 
These kings did not meet the expectations from David to Solomon to all the ones who came after them. The nation of Israel was actually split into two. It was split into two because of David's sin. You had Solomon in the south, and then you had the family in the north, and then it was the family in the north that established the nation of Israel, those 10 tribes. And then you had the two tribes in the south, which became the nation of Judah. And of course, the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. The capital of Israel was Samaria. And so now you've got two nations. This is why you see Israel and Judah. It's not interchangeable here. These are actually two nations that have been separated because of David's sin. They're not even unified as a nation. And yet, even as they've separated, while the promise continued through David's lineage, they both fell short. They both fell profoundly short. And so we see in the end that they fall into captivity because of their sin, because they did not worship Yahweh. What they worshiped was their own culture, their own beliefs, their own systems. They worshiped what the Canaanites worshiped. They worshiped Baal. They performed child sacrifices. They exploited those who were the least of these. In every sense, they disobeyed the law of God. And so now we've read, from there we read Isaiah. And Isaiah gives us a perspective, and Jeremiah now gives us a perspective. Jeremiah is living all of this. And Jeremiah is speaking, and this is what this text is talking about. This is what Jeremiah is talking about. When he's speaking about these nations, these nations would come and overtake them. These nations would come and subdue them as a part of God's judgment, but God wasn't done yet because those very nations that would overtake and subdue them, they would be overtaken and subdued as well. There's one thing that really, you know, I've said it before and I'll point it out again. These kingdoms will not last. As much as they sound powerful, as much as they sound influential, these kingdoms will not last. We have not seen them last. As powerful as they've been, empires do not last. They eventually fall. Kingdoms don't last. They eventually fall. Any kingdom that serves a rule other than the rule of Christ will not last. And often we're so busy trying to build kingdoms and establishments based off of cultural ideals and philosophies, not realizing that none of these kingdoms will stand. Not a single one will stand. There's only one kingdom that will stand in the end. And so as we see this cycle, we see Israel falling because Israel wasn't about the kingdom, they were about another kingdom. And now these other kingdoms will overtake them and these kingdoms will be overtaken. And eventually what overtakes those kingdoms will overtake, they will also be overtaken. Have you ever thought about the kingdom that you're building? Are you building kingdoms based off of your own power, your own ability? your own capacity? Are you building kingdoms off of your perception? Are you building kingdoms off of your racial identity? Are you building kingdoms off of your sexuality or sexual identity? Are you, are you, are you building kingdoms off of your own philosophy? You're building kingdoms off of your own historical narrative. Are you building kingdoms off of what you believe is right and wrong. Are you building kingdoms off of your own law, your own power, your own ability, your own might? Have you ever thought about this? That any kingdom that does not submit to the rule of Christ is a temporary kingdom and will not stand. It's a temporary kingdom and will not stand. Which is why when we read in Jeremiah 23, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. There is a king to come. 
A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth, the very things that the Israelites could not do. In the days of Judah, we'll be saved and Israel will dwell safely, finally, one to restore Israel. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Hmm. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say as the Lord lives, who brought us up out of, uh, who brought us up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But now as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the North country and from all the countries where I had driven them and they shall dwell in their own land. God is saying, I got a kingdom I'm establishing. There's a kingdom I'm establishing. The kingdom that you know, that kingdom won't stand. And even the kingdoms that overtook that kingdom, that kingdom won't stand either. And the kingdom that overtook that kingdom won't stand. Whatever empire you see today won't stand. Ooh, that's a tough one to say. That's right. Any empire you see today, and there are empires today, they will collapse. History says that power gets exchanged from one place to another. Neither one ever holds power forever. Mm. But there is one kingdom that will stand. And this has this was always the message of Jesus Christ. This was the message that Christ gave. Christ gave a message about a kingdom, but this kingdom was not of this world. But it would be the kingdom that would supersede all kings and the kingdom that would overcome all kingdoms. And it would be the kingdom that would last forever. Hmm. The days are coming, says the Lord. Any kingdom that seeks to establish its own power and its own identity is a kingdom that will not stand. Any kingdom that wants to exalt a people over another is not a kingdom. Any kingdom that is about economic and military might is not a kingdom that will stand. Any kingdom that says, well, we are the best country in the world is not a kingdom that will stand. I know that sounds provocative. No, oh, you can have what you believe is the greatest country in the world. It will not stand forever. Oh, but we have the greatest country in the world. Not for long. Not for long. Any kingdom that's about your own power and your own might. We got the greatest military. We have the best technology. We have the most money, the most resources. We are the most powerful nation. Not of this world. That kingdom will not stand. That kingdom will not be conservative. And that kingdom will not be liberal. That kingdom will not be communist. And that kingdom will not be Republican. I always find it interesting how, I'm sorry if I rant for a second. I've always found it interesting how we become, we've got such a microscopic perspective of grace, the gospel, and the kingdom of God. We are so self-centered in it, so self-centered in it, especially in America. We feel like we have to export our Christianity onto the rest of the world, not realizing that our Christianity is actually the bootleg version of it. We feel like we have to go into all the world and, and, and prostrate and push and promote our evangelicalism, which is really politics with a little Jesus sprinkled on it. We feel like we have to push our ideals and our agendas. Oh, the kingdom of God will be the kingdom of God. 
when we make the rest of the world Republican. Think about this for a second. If the kingdom of God is Republican, then what about Africa? The kingdom of God is Republican. What about China? Are any of, are, are any of those folks in the kingdom of God? If the kingdom of God were communist or whatever, whatever philosophy you have, this is the issue with our bootleg presentation of the gospel where we've actually made the gospel a posturing and a positioning of our own political, racial, and nationalistic ideals. Let's just speak into it real quick for a second, fam. The biggest problem in bootleg Western Christianity is we're all competing with each other, but we're all competing with sinful minds. All competing, pushing our own ideologies, our own philosophies. You know, you've got you know, you've got the male chauvinists who push their overly masculine gospel, one that actually oppresses women and doesn't really give a place for women to thrive. Oh, but then in response, you've got the feminists who come in, who present a feminist gospel, pushing now their position and their ideals when both are wrong. Then you've got the Democrats who want to make Jesus a communist. And then you've got the Republicans who want to make Jesus a fascist. And they go back and forth and back and forth and compete, not realizing you're pimping Jesus. You're pimping Jesus. You're pimping the gospel for your own ideal and for your own agenda. You better watch out, fam. Because the people who are outside see what you're doing. Oh, that's right. The people who are on the outside see it. They see that your Christianity is just a flavor of your philosophy. Your Christianity is just a flavor of your own ideal and ideology. Your Christianity is really your republicanism, just bootlegged with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on it. Oh, yeah, your liberal thinking is just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's got a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on it. And so we call that gospel. It's unfortunate. Because people on the outside want something better than your philosophy and your politics. They want something better than your overly racialized, commercialized, institutionalized Christianity. They want something so much more than that, but all you got to offer is your own philosophy with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on it. You know what we call that? We call that idolatry. Ooh, I'm sorry. I was ranting. This is, I'm sorry. I'm ranting, y'all. I'm ranting. And yet these kingdoms have all been based off of not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of me, myself, and I. The kingdom of what I want to do. The kingdom of how I want to run. The kingdom of how I want to live. The kingdom of, off of what preserves me. The kingdom of how I posture myself, the kingdom of, so if I, whatever I got to do to make myself safe, whatever I got to do to make myself have power, whatever I got to do so I have, so, so that I can, I can be positioned, whatever I got to do to make sure I assert myself. And it just tells us what the kingdom looks like. It's one of sacrifice. The kingdom of God was a power that looked like nothing else. It was a kingdom of self-sacrifice. It was a kingdom of carrying the cross. It was a kingdom of love those who hate you. It was a kingdom of helping those who would never help you. It was a kingdom of helping those who would never help themselves. It was a kingdom of defending the defenseless. It was a kingdom of caring for the widows. It was a kingdom of caring for those who are hungry. It was a kingdom of going to see those who are in prison. It was a kingdom of going to go set the captives free. It was a kingdom of liberating and setting people free. It wasn't a kingdom of philosophies and theologies. It was a kingdom that we had never seen before. And Israel was called to embody it. And who would sit on the throne of this kingdom? On the throne of this kingdom would be the branch of righteousness. 
This king shall reign and prosper. Christ reigned in humility, reigned in sacrifice. Christ was the full embodiment of the kingdom. When he washed feet, he was ruling. When he was healing the sick, he was ruling. When he was feeding the hungry, he was ruling. Oh my goodness. When he was helping those in need, he was ruling. When he was loving who the world hated, he was ruling. When he sought after the people that the world ignored, he was ruling. When he brought people who the world ostracized to his home to sit and to eat, he did not have a home. But wherever he could go to eat, he would bring those with him. He was ruling. He ruled so much that the rulers didn't like him. He ruled with so much power that they said, we have to get rid of him. His power was so strong, they said, we need to put him on a cross. What kind of threat is that? Think about what kind of threat that is to the system. That there's a guy who walked this earth who cared for nothing else but to see humanity saved. Gave everything to it and moved in the power of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He moved with a power that the world had not yet seen. The world hated him. Religious folk hated him. Uh, uh, Government officials hated him. He was hated by the church. He was hated by the state. Ain't it crazy? Jesus was hated by the church and the state. He ruled in a whole different way. Today, church moves in the way that the state moves. You know, we have elections. We have positions, titles, authorities. We like to push our authorities. And then we like to partner with governments and institutions to 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 prostrate our authorities and to create partnerships and lobby with each other, you know, that kind of thing. When the church operates in a whole different way. You know, some of the most, and we'll talk about this another time, because I'm really stuck on this today, but when we talk about the justice of God, when we talk about the righteousness of God, we're talking about a whole different justice. The righteousness of God is justice. The word righteousness actually means justice. That's what it means. And this king of righteousness now who lives in us, lives through us, who breathes through us and moves through us, it's in him we live and move and have our being. The church moves in the justice of Christ. Stay with me for a second. I know I'm all over the place. I just feel led to do this because it's so important. When we talk about the church, I think we forget sometimes what the church is called to do and to be. The church is the one that came up with some of the most cutting edge things you had, that society has ever seen. The church is where hospitals came from. The church is where universities came from, came from the church. It was a church that introduced us to to welfare systems, which of course originated from the law itself. It was a church that cared for the least enfranchised, that lived out what it meant to love your neighbor. It was the church that did that. It was the church that that brought all this. And here's the travesty, fam. The travesty is we handed off the work of the church to the government. At the end of the day, the debate on, well, the government, we need the government out, we need this, we need that. The truth is, if the church was being the church, we wouldn't need the government to do the things that the government does. If the church was being the church, 
we wouldn't need a foster care system. If the church was being the church, we wouldn't even need to have a welfare system. If the church was being the church, did, would we really need social security? Like if the, if the church was living out the kingdom, would we need that? If the church was being the church, what about health care? Have you ever thought about this for a second? That the very things that the church instituted in our nation and in the world, the church stopped being the church, handed it off to institutions who then used those very things to push and prostrate their power. We say welfare is broken, but we don't have a solution for it. The church was the answer. We say that social security is broken, but aren't we the ones who were supposed to care for the elderly? I have you. I don't know if anybody's ever thought of that. Man, I am all over the place today. Have you ever thought that maybe what happened was is that the church succumbed to the temptation of being what the world is? And in doing so, handed off what they were called to be and called to do. And when we talk about the church, we are not talking about the organization that we know as the church. We're talking about the people who are the church. You know, in times of plagues, did you not know this? I don't know if anybody knew this, but even during the Spanish flu, when millions had died, one of the most debilitating plagues in human history, when everybody was running away from the plague. Guess who was running towards the plague? It was the church. It was the church that ran to the problem. It, it was the church that would feed those who the world said, you're sick, we gotta go. It was a church that showed up. What compelled these people to do this? It was the Spirit of God, moved by the Spirit of God, run and governed by the law and the Spirit of God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. Let's just be straight up real with it. When we talk about the church today, what we're talking about is another social organization. And do I need to really speak and rant on how much of your donation money really goes into the things that you put your donations into? Do I need, do I need to go on that rant? Do I need to go on a rant to explain to you how much of your money actually goes into breast cancer research and study with the money you hand off to that? How much of your dollars, about 20% of your dollars actually go into what you put your dollars into? So where does the rest of the 80% go? These governments, these institutions, these organizations, they're governed by power, by preservation, by ideal, by me, myself, and I. The ego. And yet the church wants to hand it off when we are the ones called to be the agents of righteousness and justice. I'm going to leave you with one last thought. And really, it was the thought that I was supposed to leave you with, but I ended up ranting about everything else. Sorry about that. I apologize for that. By the way, if you see me speaking the way that I speak about the church, people always say, man, you must really hate the church. No, I don't hate the church. I love, <laughs> I, love the, I love the church so much that I'm planting a church. Yes, I'm Haitian. <laughs> I love the church so much that I'm planting a church. I'm moving to Tampa to plant a church. Because I love the church. But if we're just a church that people come to and not be the body of Christ who brings justice to the cities that the churches are in, what are we doing? Really, like, what are we, what, what are we doing if we're not the representatives of God? What are we doing if we're not the ambassadors of God? What are we doing? No wonder. No wonder the world got an issue with the church today. You know, here's my thing, man. Dang it, I'm out of time. Here's my thing. 
Here's my thing. I have no issue with the world having a problem with the church. I have no issue with the world having issues with the church. I got no issues with that. I just have issues with what they have issues with. You know, the things that they should be having issues with when it comes to the church. You know, the gospel, our presence, bringing healing, bringing, no, the issues that we have today, that people have with the church today, are the issues of passivity, political posturing, you know, the church being in bed with the government. You know, those are the things people have issues with the church on. I have issues with that. I have issues with that. I wish the church just went back to the basics. Oh, the kingdom of God is not going to be in governments, organizations, and institutions. And if you join those, they will fall. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will by no means pass away. Ready for this? He says, I have heard what the prophets in verse 25, and I'm done, 23 verse 25. I went way over time today because this is a, I'm ranting all over the place, way over time, but I'll leave you with one thought. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesied lies in my name saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. I want to make sure y'all catch this. This is for the person who goes to a fundamentalist church, who's pushing their fundamentalist doctrine, their fundamentalist ideals, their fundamentalist ideologies. This is for the person who goes to their liberal church, who's pushing liberalism, not the gospel. This is for the person who your church got an American flag sitting up right next to the cross as if the cross needed the flag to be next to it. This is for the person who's Americanized the gospel rather than letting the gospel transform our identity. This is for the person who listens to the prophets who speak today. But the prophets who speak today, they prophesy the lie that panders to your own heart's desire, that panders to your own ideology, that panders, how long will this be? Verse 26, in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy lies. Indeed, this is how we, this is how you can identify their lies. Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. They will prophesy their agenda, get people to get behind their agenda. Get people to get behind what they believe is right. Get people behind their politics, their ideology, their ideals. And notice what they do when they do that. Because if they prophesy the deceit of their own heart, stay with me, family. They will, verse 27, try to make my people forget my name by their dreams. So by their false prophecies by their false messages, they will make people forget the name of Yahweh, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers who forgot my name for Baal. Baal are the idols. Baal um, are the systems, the power, the, 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 the organizations, the principalities. Those are the Baals. And what the false prophets do is they make you forget the name of Yahweh and they make you now worship the God of Baal. They will make you forget Christ and make you worship a theologian. They will make you forget, um, you know, when we look at it, they'll make you forget Jesus and they'll make you worship a theological position. You know, what I realize, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm, uh, and I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You know what I realize is this is the very thing that false prophets do is they will give you a person or an ideal that you will love so much that you won't feel like you need Jesus. 
They will give you a doctrinal position that you will love so much that you won't even feel like Jesus is important. You know, man, I'm, I'm Calvinist. Since when were you Calvinist before you were Christian? Man, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Arminian. Since when, since when were you an Arminian before you were a Christian? Well, you know, I, I listened to, you know, I listened to, you know, um, John Piper. Yeah, that's, that's who, that's who I listened to. Since when did you stop listening to the voice of God? Well, you know, my teaching comes from, you know, so-and-so and this person and that person. I'm, 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 I'm of this person and I'm of that. Since when did we begin to worship the prophet and not Christ? Like, when did that happen? Since when did we, because there are churches out there. There are churches out there that they will preach sermons on who to vote for. They will preach sermons on why capitalism. Like, like somehow there's a doctrinal, somehow there's biblical doctrinal support for capitalism. What? Whew, man. The things that would happen if Jesus were here today. You want to talk about flipping tables. He would flip some tables today for the stuff that the church panders and peddles to members and calls it gospel. Perverted the words of the living God. Verse 36, the Lord of hosts, our God. And so in the end, they utterly forget God. Because they love their doctrine. Today, let's not be that. Let's discern the false prophets. The false prophets sometimes are being led by a spirit. I'm not going to get into all that because that gets weird for a lot of you sometimes. And we will get into that because we need to speak about the spiritual realm. We need to speak about how the spiritual realm operates, but that's not what we're here to talk about. There are those who operate and some of them don't even see it. They don't even see that they're operating this way. And so they preach and preach and preach, not realizing that people are more interested in their doctrine than they are in Christ. They're more interested in their philosophy than they are in Christ. And so today we have denominations that are really just organizations that glorify the denomination. You know, if you told yourself, told, crazy thing, right? If, if you told somebody today that, you know, you're a Christian, you know what the first question they're going to ask you is? What denomination? Are you like, are you Adventist? Are you, huh? Are you Presbyterian? Oh, no, I'm not Presbyterian. Oh, my gosh, no. <sighs> not those people. <laughs> you know, um. I think we need to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, are we moving and are we being governed by the Spirit of God or by the doctrines of men? Let's be encouraged today, though, because this word of conviction allows us to see, to see beyond what we see, to be convicted and to also know that the Lord is, the Lord is at work here. He's doing a work in the church. He's doing a work in the church. Love y'all, fam. Father, I just ask today, Lord, as we're convicted by your word today, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you're at work. I, th I thank you that you're doing a new thing. Um, I'm convinced that you're doing a new thing. And Lord, this new thing is a better thing. And I believe in a revival in our church today, one that breaks denominational barriers, one that 
breaks down denominational strongholds, I believe, Lord God. And even now, as we're praying and as we, Lord, are reading your word, Father, we're convinced, Lord, that we're in a season now uh, where the false prophets are being exposed. We're in a season now where the power of the church is the powerlessness of many who call themselves the church are being exposed. And Father, I thank you that you're rising up a generation who will move in power. And so as we uh, reflect on your word today, Father, I just pray that you would give us confidence, give us boldness that your spirit brings. Allow us, Lord, to see. And Lord, allow us, Lord, to be convicted and convinced, Lord, of where you're calling us next. Lord, bless each and every person, Lord, who's hearing this word today, Father. Let us, Lord, see beyond what we've seen. Let us observe and to or change whatever needs to be changed today. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Fam, I love y'all. Um, I got to run. I got to go. This was one of the longer. I, I haven't done a reading around this long in a minute. Um, but here we are. Uh, but thank you. Thank you to all my subscribers, by the way. Again, click the star and you can subscribe as well. Um and continue to support what we do. I want to do the Bible study tonight because, of course, I could not do it yesterday. If you guys heard why, I'll record something real quick for the patrons as well, so you guys know what's going on and why I wasn't able to uh, to do the Bible study. Well, it wasn't really a Bible study; it was a Q and A. But I will be doing a Q and A, and I'll also do the Q and A um, with the subscribers. So subscribe because I want to do a Q and A with you guys as well. Um, thank you so much, Juliet. I appreciate you for your support. Um, for those of you who are not on TikTok, again, if you're looking to support in any way, click the link in the profile. Become a patron. Um, I want to encourage you to become a patron. But if you are on TikTok, there's a way now to support, which is to become a subscriber. So I'm really, really excited about that. I want to thank you guys for all the gifts as well. Like all of you who share gifts during the lives, all that. I mean, I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. Um, hey, focus, Drew. Good, man. Hey, listen, if you're on Patreon, you know, it's all good, man. And I, I love my patrons and uh, I appreciate all of you and all your support. We couldn't do this without you guys. So guys, thank your patrons because we could not do this without them. Couldn't do this at all. But guys, I will see you guys tomorrow. Oh, by the way, text me as well. 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. So you can get day-to-day so you can get day-to-day updates, all right? Um, and good to see all my folks on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. I need to start paying attention to this. Y'all were lit over here. Mm, I might, man, I might move my attention to Man, I got to pay attention now. Hey, Carmela. Hey, Ken, what's good? Uh, Michelle, Blake. Oh, man, there's a whole bunch of y'all out here. I got 29 of y'all. Thank you so much, guys, for coming through. Again, um... 954-231-1848. Man, I got a whole bunch of you guys across all these platforms. It's really cool. So cool that we can do this. Thank you so much, Pam. Love you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, So guys, I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll keep reading and keep ranting. And I will post this right now on Patreon. All right? Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. Peace out.